Welcome to License to Talk Insurance, a podcast for independent insurance agents. Hello, my name is Amanda Yanis. I am the Director of Marketing at Chicagoland SIA and one of your hosts for this podcast. Hi, I'm Kelsey Conklin Ramsey. I am the Director of Digital Strategy here at Chicagoland SIA and I am your other host for this podcast. Today we are joined by the one and only Natasha Calderon. Natasha has been in the insurance industry for just over 20 years with an impressive portfolio of accomplishments. She began on the broker side, then worked in the direct agency model before that company evolved into an independent agency. However, over the last 12 years, she has worked for a few different carriers, including Liberty Mutual and Travelers. She is currently an executive small commercial sales manager with Hanover Insurance Group. Natasha, we are so glad you were able to find time to join us on our podcast. Before we dive in, why don't you tell us a little bit more about your role at Hanover? Yeah, perfect. Um, It's a pleasure to spend some time with you folks today. Thank you for having me. So my role at Hanover is to partner with independent agents who work with multiple carriers or competitors of mine to write commercial lines coverages for select small businesses. Oftentimes, I like to say my role is the glue between the broker or agent and the roles on the carrier side. So it's a fine line to walk. However, it is my job to have a deep understanding of the brokers and agents inner workings at all levels and to keep them informed on Hanover's products and what type of businesses we are writing so we can have a successful relationship. We love working with Natasha here at Chicago and SIA. Natasha, you have such an impressive background and you're just so hands-on with our team. Um, so I know you're here today to give our listeners some tips and insights on how to best engage with carriers. So let's just dive in. Perfect. Yeah. Th- you know, this is a very pertinent topic right now with the myriad of different settings people are working in. So I will hit on some key points because there is static on both the carrier and agency side right now related to this topic. So what I would say is everywhere we look in this environment, people are burnt out and strapped for time. Yet it's so essential for agents and carriers to collaborate in the insurance industry by adapting because it is a very relationship-driven industry still in this day and age. So first off, to make the most of your meeting when engaging with your carriers is very important. Be prepared to engage and be vocal about what your goals are to make the most of your time. Partnership is a two-way street, as we all know, right? So bring opportunities to the table. Look at what's on your desk or at your upcoming renewal list. Ask questions, be engaged, and discuss how to partner for success. Because if both parties don't show up prepared, both will feel like it's a waste of time. Meetings have to have a purpose. Time isn't wasted when both parties show up. And when I say show up, I mean show up prepared so you can have meaningful interaction. Nothing is worse than showing up and throwing up. I guess the second thing I would say when engaging with your carriers is how do you get your submission to the top of the pile and just knowing how we operate. We are actually seeing more distressed business come across our desks in this dynamic hardening market. So this is even more of an important reason to take the time to pick up the phone. Email serves a purpose, yet it's not always the best method for communication. Way back when I worked on the agency side in 2004, we actually had no email Fridays back then. There are times the back and forth via email actually takes longer than to just pick up the phone. 
So my advice would be don't just be an email all of the time. In your submission, make sure you provide details on claims and what that client or prospect has done to mitigate future claims. If you don't, the underwriter is going to ask you that. Provide target premiums if possible when you have those. It shows us on the carrier side that you have done a good job at pre-qualifying your opportunity. It's also helpful to provide a need by date so we can prioritize, right? And any other important details, like a personal relationship you may have with a prospect or insured. The other question we like to ask is, is there a specific reason you're marketing an account? And this one is particularly a tough one, right? Because part of your job as an independent agent is to provide your client with options. However, if there is a pain point, like a billing issue, for example, that is always helpful for us to know. So on the carrier side, underwriters have different levels of authority. Certain more complex accounts require that they need to pitch that to leadership. This is what I call the art of underwriting. Underwriting is truly an art. The more info you give up front to your underwriter, the less back and forth you'll have, which also makes it easier for your prospect or client. You'll know if we can help sooner on that particular risk, and in turn, you'll save time. The less info you give, the more declinations you will see, I guarantee it. I always say, happy underwriter, happy life. You will get what you put in. The most successful producers out there, marketers, account managers, and CSRs that I have had the pleasure of working with in my career do this with the carriers they partner with, and in turn, they write a lot of business. Their submissions go to the top of the pile every time. The other thing I would say is the devil is really in the deets, right? Pay attention to why a risk is being declined. Is it because a carrier doesn't like a specific higher hazard product for a manufacturer? Or is it that we just don't write that class of business? Maybe it's that the manufacturer doesn't have an adequate sprinkler system in the event of a fire and there would be a total loss, right, based on their occupancy. Those are two very different things. The more you pay attention to the declination reason, the more you will be able to partner to elevate. If you don't get a clear declination, though, from an underwriter, you should challenge them and ask them for specifics around the reasons for the declination so you can learn along the way. This is so important with all the new talent we have that are coming into our industry to help support them. We all have to play an active part in helping them succeed. You know, in life, most people tend to take the path of least resistance, whether it's in work or even outside of work in our personal lives. It's all about the ease of doing business, yet we're actually seeing a lot of people take longer paths, if that makes sense, in our new work environment, which actually delays response time. And with all the newer folks in the industry who don't have that benefit of learning by osmosis when they sit next to their team member in the office, they don't necessarily know the way we work on the carrier side. For example, we see folks asking underwriters to compare coverages. That will for sure get you to the bottom of the underwriter's pile. If you have a specific question on the coverage, that is one thing. But if an underwriter makes a mistake, it's ultimately on the agent's E&O. With the influx of remarketing due to the current state of the marketplace, it is important for agents to compare what coverages are changing. 
myself as a sales and marketing rep are the boots on the ground, right? Our lens runs deep. We work with a variety of different brokers and agents. We are seeing a ton of requests coming to the marketing sales rep like myself or the underwriters first, instead of engaging directly with the appropriate departments. So if you have a billing issue, claims issue, or maybe an audit issue, I would suggest you start directly with those departments. And of course, you should engage with your sales marketing rep or underwriter if you aren't getting to a reasonable resolution. Independent agents work with several carriers, so it can be challenging to know everyone's different process. However, all carriers have these departments with folks you can get an answer from quicker when you pick up the phone. They are the experts and have access to certain systems that your local teams may not. If you start with them, you will save time and be able to move on to the next task quicker because I know you have a next task. We all do. The other thing that's really big right now, having updated contact info from the carrier and on the flip side, sharing your updated contacts with us in this refined work world will also help you get the support that you need sooner rather than later. Last but not least, another way to best engage with carriers is knowing there is a difference between wanting and needing a carrier. You should partner with carriers that align with your existing book of business, target marketing strategy, or referral business to win and create a synergy for success. Oftentimes, agents work with too many carriers, and those interactions spiral downhill and turn into conversations that create an uncomfortable negative environment for both parties. It's a much better practice to add carriers as your agency grows, and you can plug them in later rather than prematurely get a contract with a carrier and part ways down the road. It's much harder to get a carrier contract back once you lose it. I'm not saying it's impossible. There has to be a very convincing story. I've worked for several carriers in my career, as you mentioned earlier. I always say no one wants me to divorce or terminate them. They want to be the one to divorce me first. I would actually welcome this type of divorce every now and then versus being stuck in the spin cycle. It's not personal. It's just business. And time is not only money. It's more valuable than ever, and we can't get it back. So the general 80-20 rule applies here. If you feel like 80% of your meetings are not the most positive, that's because you are putting maybe up to 20% of your business with them and writing 80% of your business with 20% of your carriers. So do you really need them or do you just want them in your lineup? What it boils down to is if you aren't having success with a carrier, there should be reasons why. You should also ask your industry friends what their experience is with the carriers you struggle with to get diverse perspectives. Maybe it's a misalignment with appetite. Maybe it's a lack of response time. Maybe it's that they aren't easy to do business with. Or maybe it's that you could do a better job giving that carrier more at-bats. Either way, you should know the why and be honest with yourself to determine your go-forward strategy. Another important thing that's very easy to lose sight of in the thrill of writing new business is paying attention to how stable a carrier's renewals are, right? When you place a client as new business, so you aren't losing revenue, remarketing accounts more than you need to, especially the year after you just wrote it. We actually pay attention to businesses that work with multiple agents and send the same submission every year to blanket the market. 
it will be no surprise to you that those go to the bottom of the underwriter's pile. There are accounts I even know in my head when they come across my desk. Now is a really opportune time to pay attention to the delta of new business to renewal pricing with the disruption we have been seeing across the country, specifically in the property line, with not just inflation and the cost of increased materials and labor, social inflation is also impacted due to increased litigation payouts, as well as an increase in weather-related losses across the country. It's equally important to prepare your clients so they don't get sticker shock from their renewals. The prices of everything outside the insurance industry are increasing, and no one is immune to that. So I guess to sum it up, I would say look to see how you can make your interactions more impactful. Challenge how you get to the top of your underwriter's pile, then pay attention to that impact on your success. And lastly, partner with carriers that align with you best. If there isn't an alignment, it's okay to agree to part ways. Natasha, I think you provided so much insight here and we honestly can't thank you enough. But one question I did have that I think a lot of members um, and independent agents will find helpful, based on your experience, what is your recommendation in terms of how often um, an agency should be connecting with their carriers or their marketing reps? Yeah, so I never think it's a good idea to take a blanket approach, right? So I think it depends. For the agencies that I have uh, the largest partnerships with, I'm usually engaging with them on a monthly basis and then some one-off meetings too with specific individuals. However, based on the opportunity, right, it might be every other month or it might be quarterly. So it just really depends. Over the last few months, we have seen many carriers tightening up on who they are providing contracts to. What are some important things you look for when you start a relationship with a new agent? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I like to know what their background is, right? To just learn more about their business. I think that's so important. I want to know if they have a business plan. Like, what's your five-year business plan? Where are you now? And where would you like to be? What, what's your end goal, right? To determine how we plug in. How, how do you generate leads? How do you bring that business in the door? And also, what type of business are you going after? That's a big one, right? Because if the type of business you're going after doesn't align with Hanover's appetite, it's probably not going to work. So the other thing I like to know is, is that business that you're getting from a referral source, right? Or are you target marketing those businesses? For example, general auto repair shops. So those are some of the questions I think about because I want to make sure that we align. One of the things I love about Chicagoland SIA is you folks really do a great job of supporting learning with your uh, training and helping agencies have a strong foundation to be successful, whether it's marketing or account rounding, cross-selling, what technology those agencies are using. It's a bunch of things that you do to support them in such a nice way, which is amazing. Well, thank you, Natasha. We appreciate that. <laughs> Well, I think a lot of carriers don't understand how you operate, too, to be perfectly honest with you, right? If they don't understand, like, the resources you're providing for these startups, for example, that are coming from the captive side, which you've seen a lot of, it's kind of hard to get their buy-in. So I think it's important for them to understand how you guys operate and what support you provide to your ISMs. 
Oh, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Definitely. We do have so many resources, not only at Chicagoland, but through SIAA. We actually have something we call the Training and Learning Center, which is just filled with courses, not just like short little videos or one-offs, but actual courses, like almost like a university setting where you work through these courses online at your own pace, but they might take you a few days to complete them. They're very in-depth. They're very helpful, especially for, like you say, those new agents. So if somebody is looking for how to do something, we probably do have a resource to help them get through that. And if we don't have like a digital online resource, we also have our agency growth coaches. We have Kelsey who specializes in the digital side, but we also have like Christine and Gail who work with our membership one-on-one helping them through commercial lines marketing, how to find leads, uh, things of that nature. So definitely Chicagoland SIA is here to support our members. I've never really thought about how that works with the carrier side. So it's very interesting that you said that because it's just not something I would have thought of that all these helpful resources that we're offering our members and just through the being a member of Chicagoland SIA could be almost a leg up with getting carriers because we have all these resources for our members. So before we go, before we end this, because we are at about time, I do one more question for Natasha. What is your favorite part of your job? Like what gets you excited to get up in the morning and get to work? Oh, that's an awesome question. I love that. So my favorite part of my job is being able to help my agents grow their business and find out how we can plug in to best support them. It's what keeps me going. My family actually owned a few small businesses, so I have a deep personal passion since I grew up working in a couple of them, of course, when I was underage. So clearly I wasn't getting paid much, yet it was a great opportunity to learn how businesses work. Small businesses are the backbone of our communities, and it's important we support them, especially as the world evolves and in light of the challenges we've all faced the last few years. Thanks again so much for having me. My partnership has been a amazing journey over the last decade with Chicagoland SIA, and we have accomplished great things together. I hope everyone finds these insights valuable, whether you are new or experienced in this great multifaceted industry. Thank you, Natasha, for coming on, for giving us all of this information. It's a lot to process for sure, but I think everything you touched on is so important for agents to know and to understand. So thank you for sharing your expertise, for sharing your time, for sharing your knowledge with us. To all of our listeners, remember, you can find our past episodes on our website, chicagolandsia.com under resources. And I hope you join us again next month.